So last week we started uh, a series called Summer of Songs uh, where we, we take each week a psalm and we kind of walk through it because as we discussed, you know, the purpose of the psalms is to, to teach us how to think and to feel and how to be shaped by God. Uh, that, that's the intent that uh, through all of the psalms we get this just variety of of emotions. If you've ever been mad at God, if you've ever been upset with God, if you've ever been confused about the circumstances of life, uh, you can find yourself rightfully exposed uh, in the Psalms. And, and what I love about it is uh, a lot of my dysfunctions in life are brought to the surface, uh, not so that God can say, hey, found you, uh, but so God can say, hey, I found you here. Let's start walking together out of this brokenness. Let's start walking together out of this struggle. And, and this morning, as, as, we've been, uh, as we are preparing ourselves to uh, take communion together, I find it very fitting uh, to, to arrive in a very specific psalm. Out of all 150, uh, this is the shortest of them all. Okay? Uh, in fact, there's only two verses to it, and I would imagine... Uh, that as people were trying to assemble the Psalms, they're like, hey, does this one even mean anything? It's only two verses. Uh, it's nothing like 119 that takes you like a week and a half to read. Uh, but, but, but yet we find ourselves with, with two verses. And, and I think one of the biggest mistakes we make about the Bible is that we will come into certain phrases and we will think that because, of their, because there's brevity, we don't think that there's substance. And yet, in these words, we find great substance. We find a call. Uh, we find a, a, a moment to reflect, to ponder, to celebrate. We find a reminder of why it is we come together. And he says this in, in Psalm uh, 117. Barry, you got it? He says this. It says, Praise the Lord. All nations. Okay, now let me tell you about why that's significant. Because it's written by a Jewish person, and at the time, only the Jewish people were considered the children of God. But at the time of its writing, the Jewish people were the children of God. They stood for God. They, def they were defended by God. They were chosen by God. In fact, all the New Old Testament is God rescuing His kids and bringing them to safety, God rescuing his kids, bringing them to safety. And the whole time he's saying, hey, render your heart to me because I love you like a father. And yet all the way through it, there's this underlying promise that God's heart is for all people. And so when it says all nations, that's a big statement because you and I are included in this, not demand, but this, this opportunity. So the psalmist says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol Him, all peoples. We don't, we don't use that word very often, do we? When, when was the last time you, you used the word extol? You, you just used it? Yeah, you, you're a liar. Uh, we, need, we need prayer for this side. Um, but... But extol means, it means, simply means this, to praise enthusiastically. Okay, so the psalmist builds this, 
this foundation. He says, okay, what are we going to do? He says, we're going to praise the Lord, who is included in that, all nations. And then he says, okay, let me talk to you about how to do that. And he says, extol him. Praise him enthusiastically. And there are times in my life, and there are times I can see it in yours, where extolling is not part of the equation. Where we are excited about what God has been doing in us, around us. For some reason, Christians can be the most somber of people. And I think part of it is because we have too much pride in ourselves that we're like, well, if I praised Him enthusiastically, the people over there are going to look at me and say, that person has lost their mind. And what a great way to lose your mind, by the way. What a great reason to lose your mind. There's this moment uh, in in, uh, 2 Kings where David is bringing the uh, the ark of God back. It's one of the most incredible stories. But he finally, he's, they, they start to do things God's way and they bring the ark of God back. And, and that was their, um, to them, that was like the cross to us. That was a symbol of the presence of God. And so it's significant. And as they're coming back into town with the ark, uh, David is so excited that he is dancing before the Lord and he's in his underwear because he's, he's that excited. And his wife comes out and he says, oh, how the king, has, has honored himself today, has, has walked in a dignified way uh, before his people. And he looks at her and he says, um, if this is for the Lord, I will become even more undignified than this. And so it makes me wonder, when we get to a word like extol, and we say, ah, I don't know what that means, so I'm just going to skip it. <laughs> or I do know what that means, but I don't, I don't know if I can do that. But the psalmist says, Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol Him, all people. Okay? But but then you say, okay, well, why? Right? I know what you've told me to do. I know how you've told me to do it. But why? And verse 2 comes in, and it is beautiful. For great is His steadfast love toward who? Us. For great is His steadfast love toward us. The New Testament puts it this way. For God demonstrated His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That when we were at our very worst, when we were at our most unlovable, God's love is poured into your life for that, that for great is his steadfast love. That word steadfast is huge. Because it suffers long. It is patient. It is consistent. It is established. For great is his steadfast love. We can praise God enthusiastically. We can extol him because His steadfast love is towards us. Okay? And then He says this, And the faithfulness of the Lord endures... For how long? Forever. The faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. And let, me, let me tell you a snapshot of where I saw that at play today. Uh, this week. Okay? So, so, so this, you, if you start to cry, I might start to cry, and then we're all crying, and 
It's just a stop it, okay? You've already lied once. Now you're crying. This is a full day for you. Um, so, so last Sunday, uh, I, I told you there was a group of us that were going to serve uh, at Camp Akiva uh, with our father's children. They, they host what's called a Royal Family Kids Camp. There's a lot of acronyms in that. And so, um, but what it is, it's a camp that's set up to serve kids who are in the foster care system. Uh, for, for one week out of their summer, uh, what they get to do, and it's one of my most favorite things, I tell my guys all the time, like, hey, what we get to do right now is we get to press pause on life. And everything we get to do is about fun. Everything we do is about, about us trying to find the greatest ways to have the most amount of fun we can have until Friday. Uh, and so, uh, and there are times when that can be really simple, and there are times that it can be really hard. I, I wrote about this uh, on Facebook, so I made it official um, the other day, that, that the craziest things about foster kids is they look a lot like your kids. Now, granted, some of them wear their abuse differently. Uh, some of them, you can see the scars of their abuse. Some, you, they hide it much deeper in their hearts. Some of them understand what's going on in their lives. Some are just confused why they can't go to their real home. And I watched, and there were times I had sports tears, um, which, by the way, men, if, if you're thinking about sports and you're crying, it's, there's no shame in that. Um, but there, there were moments when, Barry, bring that back up. Or Alan, bring that back up. We haven't made it all the way through yet. All right? I'll give you a heads up like this. Shh, shh. That's the sign. There were times this week that I was stuck and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever because I would get to see these kids and I would get to spend time with these kids and, and at times they would share their story. Uh, they are much more open than we tend to be about what's going on in their lives. And, and what struck me is this is a group of kids who to no fault of their own have found themselves in this circumstance. They've arrived in this situation. And the question on the table would be, where's God in that moment? Right? And I see kids lift their hands in praise and worship. I see kids love one another selflessly. I see people, I see kids, I, I had one of my boys, Romeo, uh, he, was, he had a hair trigger. Um, so like one moment, he would be fun-loving, and the next moment, you thought he might stab you with a fork. Um, so he always sat on the other side of the table for me, just in case. Um, there's this moment on Tuesday where he starts to not feel good, and I watched my other guy, Asher, uh, put his arm around him and say, hey, would you... I know you didn't want that portion of your lunch. Would you like this portion of my lunch? And now before you think, oh, Asher's a sweet kid. He was a butt most of the week too. <laughs> Just like our kids. And you got, I got to see this, this unconditional love and, and camaraderie and these, like, hey, these people understand me. They, they get me. And I'm stuck in that moment of the steadfast love of God towards us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. And the question on the table is, where is God in the most difficult moments of my life? And let's just forget for a second that I have not spent one second 
in the amount of pain that they've been through. I've not lived in one moment of confusion the way that, that they have. And yet, they can summon the strength to say that God is good. And it, it doesn't blow my mind as much as it just exposes me. I'm revealed there. Our, our theme verse of the week was Jeremiah 29, 11, and I could sing you this reggae-based song, but it wouldn't really work with Chris refuses to do reggae here. Um, it says, I, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good, not for disaster. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's the end of the song. But the question on the table is, okay, when it comes to faithfulness, the underlying foundation of it is do I trust God or not? That's, that's the hard part of faithfulness, right? Do I trust when God has promised me, okay? God has always promised me that he knows me that he has knit me together in my mother's womb that he has a plan for me even if I think I have a different plan that it's a plan for good that even in the difficulties of my life that God is still good I always always laugh online when, when people will say something like uh, you know, got the job. God is good. I'm like, well, he's still good if you don't get the job. He is. He's still good if you still have the cancer. He's still good in every circumstance of your life because he has promised us that he knows much more than we do, that he loves much more recklessly than we do. He walks into the messes of our lives and he stands there and he says, you are mine. You don't have to worry. I have you protected. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. And then he says, praise the Lord. But he doesn't just give us a period, right? He gives us the exclamation point. He brings us back to, do I enthusiastically praise God for what he has done? Do I get excited about what God has done? Or do I hear about what God has done and I say, oh, that's cool. Then all of a sudden your sports team wins and you go crazy. And you're ripping your shirt and you're running around the house. What, is, what does that say about our hearts when we can be so enthusiastic about things that don't matter at all? when you get to the end of your life. I'll just let that rest on you for a little bit. And so what we come to do today is we come to grab some communion elements. Okay? And what it is a symbol for is the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus comes in and he says, Okay, I am the true wine. I am the living bread. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. But we come to take communion as a family to simply do this one thing, and it's to remember. 
It's to remember that God has great steadfast love toward us and He has great faithfulness that endures forever. We stop to remember that He loved us so fiercely in Jesus. And we get to extol Him for that. We get to celebrate Him for that. So the way this is going to work, and this might be a mess because all these new people keep showing up. Um, I'm just joking. We're great you're here. There's a couple of old people we're going to try to move out for you next week. Um, if you'll just, you'll just give me the seat you'd like to sit in, we'll move them out. Um, sorry, Bonnie. Somebody's going to want to be in the splash zone. Um, and so, so this side of the room, uh, you're welcome to come up to this way. Uh, this side of the room, you're welcome to go to the back. Uh, and so we'll try to create just flow here. Uh, and we'll see if it works. If it doesn't, uh, what we ask you to do is simply come up, grab a uh, juice cup, grab just a little piece of bread, uh, and then take those elements with you to the table. Now, in in the meantime, okay, if you need prayer this morning, we want to open up this space for some prayer. The way that'll work is is Jessica and Troy, and uh, we'll be up here in this corner, and Keith and Kim. Uh, we'll be right by the stoplight back there. Uh, if you need prayer this morning, we want to pray with you. Uh, communion, if you're not a believer, you're welcome to come grab the elements, but just know that that symbol doesn't really mean much for you unless you know Jesus. Um, and then it becomes something very special uh, to you uh, because it's a time of remembering the price that was paid for you. Um, and so so I say that to say if if you've never ask Jesus into your heart. We believe the only way to a right relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. Uh, And we would love to talk with you about that. We would love to walk with you into that adventure. So the way this is going to work, I'm going to say amen, and then you guys can stand up and start working your way that way. You guys can stand up, start working your way this way. If you get it wrong, take the elbow. All right? That's what's going to happen. All right? I designate you, Shauna. You're the elbow person. Um, Um... So let's let's pray. Father, we come to you and we thank you for this time. We thank you that you are, that your love for us is great. We thank you that your faithfulness endures regardless of how we view it, regardless of how we wear it. Your faithfulness endures forever. That we are established and we are set firm because you have loved us and you have put your claim on our lives. So, Father, allow that to resonate in our hearts in a way where our praise for you is significant, where it is great. We pray in this time you would focus our hearts on you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.
So a good portion of the Gospel of John, there's like three or four chapters toward the end of it, that um, it describes this scene uh, that we, we call it the Last Supper. And it's my favorite of all the Gospels because in it, we, uh, Jesus spends some time in conversation with his disciples and he's explaining to them uh, something that they, don't, they won't completely understand for a couple of days and even into the next couple of years of their lives. Uh, but, but in it, he, he starts to tell them, hey, things are about to change in your life significantly. And I think uh, anytime you adventure with God, that's a typical conversation he has with you. Anytime he's moving you for the glory of his name, uh, he comes in and he says, Hey, I'm about to change your life in a significant way, so be ready. And I remember about 11 years ago now, that's, God was stirring in our hearts. That he was like, Hey, we're, I'm, I'm sending you to plant a church. And I'm like, God, I'm very comfortable in the church that I'm in. Thank you very much. And he says, No, we're, we're going to go and... And there's this, this scene with Jesus with his disciples in the Last Supper. And he, and he starts to tell them, hey, they're, they're coming for you. People are going to come. They're not going to like you. They're going to want to kill you. They're going to, because you're associated with me, they will not understand you. And then he, he says, but you could take heart because as you abide in me, you'll be safe. Now, maybe not safe in the sense that we tend to think of safety. You will be secured. You'll be established in me. Then he says, I give you my peace, which is so incredible. He says, I don't give to you the way that the world gives peace. I, I'm giving you peace to walk you through some of the circumstances of your lives. But through this evening, and, and John will take you into some prayers that Jesus will pray over us, and it's incredible. Spend some time um, just reading the whole Bible today, uh, this week. Um, but, but, but in the course of the evening, Jesus will take some bread and he will break it. This is where we get the phrase breaking bread together. And he looks at him and he says, this is my body. It's being broken for you. Take and eat. And it takes us to the cross. And it takes us to the trial and his arrest. And the fact that he was beaten he was bruised. He was whipped. He took the punishment that we deserved. And then he comes in and he says, this is, takes some wine and he pours it out. And he says, this is my blood that's being poured out for you. And it, it links us to the Old Testament and the system of forgiveness where God had established that through the sacrifice of an animal that you can find the forgiveness of your sins. And Jesus serves as the, as John the Baptist would say, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And, and so, so this pouring out of the wine is a symbol of the pouring of the blood that washes us as white as snow. And this is what we come to remember. That we can make much of Jesus because His body took the punishment of our sins and because his, the blood washes us clean. So we come and we say thank you. Father, we remember today that the body of Jesus 
takes on so much of what is broken in us, what is carnal in us, what is sinful in us. And we don't, we don't confess that in a defeated way. We, we, we confess that in a way that brings us hope because we know that our brokenness is made complete in you. We know that our sins, that we are no longer slaves to it because of the punishment that your son took. And so, Father, we stop and we say, thanks. You may partake of the bread. It's French bread, by the way. So, you're welcome, Walmart. Um, Father, we come to you and we, we thank you for the symbol of the wine and for us the symbol of the juice. We acknowledge that our that what we needed most in life was the forgiveness of our sins to be washed clean. And we thank you that in Jesus we are new creations that we have the ability to to praise you to talk with you, to carry our lives to you. We thank you that we are more than conquerors because the blood of Jesus has washed us clean. So, Father, we come and we say thank you. And we remember, you may partake of the juice.